Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by Arizona Lottery. Go out and uh, let's see here. Presented by Arizona Lottery. Don't forget to go out and buy your holiday scratchers. Now, joined by the one that uh, lives in Phoenix, but absolutely nobody needs a uh, introduction to in Tucson, the great Jody Ayler, a man that I grew up listening to. I know that he makes it feel old. Jody, I don't care. Hello, Jody Ayler from 910 The Drive. How you doing, man? Great to see you. I once... Uh, my first radio gig in Tucson, our Christmas present was a p- couple of scratcher lottery tickets. And if you're going to get if you're going to get a gift from work, I, I hardly co-sign scratcher tickets. Uh, you can't go wrong with the scratcher tickets, Jody. And that's again, here's the thing. Even if you don't win, it's still the process that you like about it. That's where I'm at. I'm all about enjoying life, even if we don't get what we want. Well, listen, you're a smart man, you're a wise man, and uh, that's why we're here today. All right, Jody, speaking of which, you got to grow up, obviously, watching Arizona basketball at its apex under Lute Olson. Sean Miller did some very good things. It was different under Lute Olson. Obviously, every four years, it felt like we were getting into the Final Four, uh, 98, 99, 01, number one ranked team in the country. Arizona is ranked number one now. This just feels... It, this just feels very loot-esque, if that's, uh, for lack of a better term. It just feels a little bit different in the way they just overwhelm teams. What say you? Yeah, I agree. I feel like everything about this Arizona basketball team the last few years has felt more loot-esque. Because, remember, one of the complaints under Sean Miller was high rankings, high recruiting numbers, but never could get to the top, right? And so it almost became, when this team was ranked too high going into the tournament, it's almost like, oh, God, here we go. They're going to underachieve. And I know Arizona's coming off a massive upset in the tournament last year. That even felt loot-like, right? We talked about that in real time. Right? So that's the early part of Luke's career. I feel like this number one ranking in years under Sean Miller, we'd sort of expect it to set us up to fail. Whereas I look at this number one ranking, feels like a validation of everything Tommy Lloyd is doing and the direction the Arizona basketball program is headed. I, I also think there's a, a legit chance they're – actually the best team in college basketball but we got plenty of time to litigate that you know what really impresses me too about them is that tommy lloyd he exerts his talent out there on the court he's not hoping that you miss shots and then go from there he's looking to shoot passing lanes he'll extend that defense out it's like the loot olsen run of death where we would arizona would be down or up four you go to the bathroom you'd come back they'd be up 23 it's very that's i guess where i'm the best point that i could make about that there jody there's two things about it. Number one, you're right. I feel like Arizona actually takes full advantage of their talent and the advantages they have. And whereas there's not just a bunch of talented dudes on the floor and, hey, we'll figure it out as we go. And the other thing that's inherently critical to being compared to anything loot is Tommy Lloyd's a likable guy. Yes. And by extension, the program's a likable program. And by extension, the players are just imminently more likable. Where Sean Miller was not necessarily an unlikable guy but he was a hard to love guy and then the players sort of took on that when when you have a coach like Tommy Lloyd who's just so naturally easily likable a whole team follows suit and I feel like that's the vibe around this team I listen they they lost to a 15 seed it's hard to argue that Arizona basketball is fulfilling all of their potential under Tommy Lloyd when they got shocked last year but it still feels like this team is on the better path than they were ever under Sean Miller. And, and honestly, Jody, you and I talked about that off script quite a bit last year. Last year's team, I, I know it's hindsight, but last year's team kind of felt smoke and mirrors to a certain degree. And that there wasn't an NBA player on the team. Uh, 
Kerr did some good things, but that's not an Arizona point guard. Um, Azulis Tabellis was very good, but not a big game type player. Um, it, it, it felt like they overachieved. Now, granted, you shouldn't lose to Princeton, but it did feel like they overachieved. This team just feels like they're the goods across the board. Yeah, I mean, the balance of this team, right? Number one, you mentioned last year. I think the biggest difference we can see on the court is Umar Balo last year was a central figure in that team's yeah. success, yeah. right? He had to be – they had to pound the ball to him. He had to be a star of the show. He and Tubelis, the size we thought could overwhelm teams. Now, Balo is, you know, a, clearly a secondary player on this team, maybe even a tertiary player. This is a team – more classically Arizona basketball, the backcourt leads, the shooting, the speed, the size around the perimeter is absolutely the game winner right now. So I think Balo is kind of the perfect example of how different these two teams are and stylistically why I think there's real optimism for this team. And a player that you and I have both been a skeptic of, Pella Larson, is much better in this role. He doesn't have to dribble the ball. He can finish around the basket. He can defend. He doesn't have to do things he can't do. And I think that's why we're seeing a different Pella Larson, because other players can pick up the slack that he could that he was forced into that angle last year there, Jody. We have not had to make up derogatory nicknames for Pella Larson so far not. this year. So it's been, it's been a good start for Pella Larson. And I agree, like, hey, man, Play to your strengths, your players, put them in roles they can thrive in. And all of those things right now describe Tommy Lloyd and this team. And what I also got to give more so than anything for Tommy Lloyd is that it's very difficult. I, I feel, and again, you get to see professional coaches all the time, but at least for a college, I think a successful college coach, I always think it's difficult to take inventory of yourself when you're 61 and 11 as a, as a head coach. Um, after two years, I think Lloyd looked at this roster and looked at some of the players and said, listen, we're not tough enough. We don't have enough dynamic players. So what does he do? He goes out and he gets a Keyshawn Johnson. He goes out and gets a, uh, excuse me, he goes out and gets a Caleb Love. Both these players, not perfect by any means, but they are something that Lloyd has not had, certainly didn't have last year. No, that, that is a great point, Mike. That the, the self-awareness of roster building, and it's not just hunting for stars. It's not just hunting for the sort of the headline. Like, those are role players, and Caleb loves a little bit more than a role player, maybe even Keyshawn Johnson. But the point is, they're not guys that are going to be top 10 NBA right. draft picks. And they come in, they know their role, their expectations are clearly communicated with them, and they're thriving in it, and they're getting better. You know, we, this is another conversation you and I had, and I, I wasn't down on Caleb Love. Like, I wouldn't turn down Caleb Love, but I was skeptical of the high-volume, low-percentage shooting guard coming in with an already crowded backcourt and taking shots away and bad shots and no-conscience shots. And we talked, I think, at a time, he's he's played oftentimes like the worst player in pickup basketball, where, like, you just don't want to be on that. <laughs> right, for sure. And he's come in, and with Tommy Lloyd's guidance, like, he's a real teammate and he's a real piece and like you said he's not perfect but to me being able to find those guys and communicate with them and get them to thrive in their roles is classic loot and it's right now tommy lloyd as well jody when was the last time you went to circle k be honest oh probably within the last 10 days 
All right. Now, listen, Jody Ayler made it big. He's up here in the valley. Back in Tucson, though, we have one thing that you don't have. Cheaper gas prices. And that's yeah. at Circle K. I found uh, gas for $259 off the Benson Highway. I drove to the Benson Highway to get the $259 gas. Check it out. Join Inner Circle for free by downloading the Circle K app. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details. Jody, I didn't make up any of that stuff right there. A, a gallon of gas that starts with the two sounds like the time when, you know, black and white TV. I didn't even know that was still possible. Like, or people are watching the Zabruder film in the background or something. <laughs> two, That's crazy. 259, Jody. I'm telling, telling you. All right. Now, uh, one other thing. What kind of flooring do you have, Jody? You strike me as having really good flooring. Uh, tile and carpet. I'm a big carpet in the bedroom, but tile downstairs. All right, well, let me tell you real quick about Empire Flooring, my friend. Empire Flooring, this is for the people, by the people. You will thank me later. Empire Flooring is absolutely fantastic. Um, you can go there and you can uh, check out all of their stuff. Working with Empire today is quick, easy, and convenient. You get someone in your home that day, and if you use code PHNX, you can get $350 off. Check it out, Empire Flooring. My parents actually used Empire Flooring, Jody Ayler. I think you have a very healthy relationship with your parents, don't you? Oh, no, I, I have a very, you know, listen, most people, most parents would have uh, said, get out of here. You're annoying. You talk too much. These people actually welcomed me. So I got to give them something because most wouldn't. Um, Shout out to Mike Luke's mom and dad. You got it. All right. Um, by the way, when my dad would pick me up in high school, we would always listen to happy hour, by the way. Does your dad have a different take on on my uh, sports radio career than you do? Does your dad just secretly loathe my uh, Arizona basketball and football takes? Oh, no, you know, he loves you. He knew that I wanted to be like you growing up. So, you know, I mean, if he actually likes me, he's probably going to like somebody I idolized. So I'll take it. Appreciate it. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit, and then we're going to get to some Arizona football. But back just to Arizona basketball, it does feel to me like if it's not the best team in the country, it's as good as anybody my question that I keep coming back to, Jody, is what do they lack? Where do you look at Arizona and say maybe not great outside shooting? You might want to pack that in. But size, athleticism, dynamic ability, they got pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is they just don't have experience winning at the highest level in the NCAA tournament, right? And that's, you know, sure, that's something that can come. Keyshawn Johnson does, but I don't know how much of that translates to the rest of the team. So. Yeah, I, I don't think on a basketball court they lack anything. As you mentioned, their size is deep, but it's not overextended. They don't rely on their size too much. Three-point shooting, as long as Kylan Boswell is able to shoot the ball as well as we've seen him, really, I, I don't have a lot of concerns at the three-point line, but uh, they're, they're going to be fun. I mean, really, it just comes down to luck, and it comes right. down to matchups, and it's going to come down to whether this team in the tournament can rise above and – I'm excited. Those those are questions that under previous regimes you would sort of dread as the tournament got closer. I feel like a lot of Arizona fans now are, are itching for a fight again in the tournament, which is a fun spot to be. All right, Jody, one thing I think I was right on that I brought you over to is joining the Big 12 uh, for, for basketball reasons. This is why the top three teams in the country will all be in the Big 12 next year, four of the top six. Meanwhile, the Pac-12... Um, is there anybody even ranked besides Arizona at this point after the USC loss to Gonzaga? Jody, I think I, conver I, I think I converted you on this. Yeah, there's a couple things. I'm glad you brought that up. Number one, it really bothered me, Mike, that after the Pac-12 football championship game, everybody was saying goodbye to the Pac-12, and there was all these 
Hey, look at the mascots they're saying goodbye. I'm like, the number one ranked team in the country is a Pac-12 team for the next five months. Right. Maybe, maybe stop reading the eulogy of the Pac-12 until the NCAA tournament is over. Right. But it speaks to how poorly the conference itself markets itself. It's always been a college basketball conference, but that's never been something they've been able to maximize. And it just annoyed me after Oregon and Washington played a great game that everyone said, well, turn off the lights, the Pac-12 is over. I'm like, the best college basketball team in the country plays in the Pac-12. Let's show some respect for crying out loud. And see, that's what I like about the Big 12. Listen, listen, it's not the SEC in football. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the SEC in football, but there's something with your mark that he knows that he's going to market. We're going to be the best basketball conference in the country, and we're going to be trying to be good enough in football. That, to me, is something, at least a vision, that the Pac-12 never had. Like you just said, what did the Pac-12 market itself as? I mean, you had brands you could market, and they just never really marketed anything. Yeah, they they clearly, I mean, it's bittersweet, Mike, because this was a great college football season for the Pac-12 and a yes. reminder that it didn't need to be blown up. It was perfectly competent on its own. The quarterback played, the head coach, finally, these things are all cyclical, seem to be swinging back in the favor of the Pac-12. But then we got the college football rankings and it's a reminder, you know, if you're not in the SEC or Big Ten, whether it's the Big 12 or Pac-12, it's still going to be an uphill battle for Arizona, but at least there's a conference in the Big 12 that knows how to roll up its sleeves and fight. Right. Like, there's never been any fight from Larry Scott or George Klyavkov. Like, Mark's going to fight, and you're going to hear about it, and they're not going to go quietly. And so it's <laughs> nice to know that you're in a conference that has your back as opposed to a conference that was serving someone's interests that's pretty much just the commissioner and nobody else's. Brett, your mark is not going quietly into the night is what uh, the great Jody Ayler is saying. No, he's a fighter. Might even be he might even be a biter, uh, you know, a scratcher, a clawer. Like he's giving purple nurples out there. Like he'll do whatever it takes. All right, let's talk. Let's let, let's move over to college football because we've we've talked enough about our number one ranked team in the country. Um, where do you stand on the whole FSU thing? I'm curious as to your take on this. You want to get me going, man. Now you got it. So to me, if you want to be the UFC or WWE, then just say you're the UFC and WWE. Those are sports, and the UFC specifically is a sport that gets to make the match for TV purposes. You're trying to sell a pay-per-view. You're trying to get as many eyeballs. So they just make matches. Some guys deserve it more than others. They get passed by if they're stylistically not the most exciting. There is nothing more important to determining who the best team is than actual competition. Yes. And college football believes opinion trumps competition. I, I made this uh, comparison on my show this week, Mike. You know, I listened and, to this comparison, by the way. I know where you're going, and I love it. In government, there's a separation of church and state for reasons. doesn't mean that sometimes they don't cross-pollinate, but for the most part, you're allowed to worship and believe whatever you want to believe. We just don't want to govern everybody with those same ideas. The separation of church and state, fundamental to the execution of, of our country. I feel like in sports, there's got to be a separation of competition and opinion. It's the same thing. Like, you and I can argue all we want about the Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, Big 10. But when push comes to shove, it should be competition that determines who's the best. Florida State earned their right to prove they're the best. Plus, if you believe that sports are predictable, why are you watching? Most of the narratives that I enjoy in sports are teams that defy the odds, not reinforce the opinions of, of the public. And Florida State, would it be unlikely? Would it be 
you know, not very likely, sure, but they could have won the national championship this year. That's why we watch sports. And let's call out some of the crap right here. Everybody talks about, you always hear the people that put in Alabama and they say, well, Florida State, they lost their starting quarterback. Let me ask you this. Do you think for a second that if uh, Alabama went undefeated and they lost their starting quarterback, that they wouldn't be put in because they don't have their starting quarterback? There's no way. Well, it's also, listen, the the committee, this is the last year the committee matters, right? Next year you expand it 12. The committee is just a bunch of randos. No one cares who they are, what (laughs) they're doing. The committee this year was going to make it all about the committee, and that's exactly what they did. This was the last bit of power they had. People want to use the power they're given. They abuse their power in this case. And, you know, I, I was saying this also, Mike, like if you enjoyed the Diamondbacks World Series run, if you enjoyed the unpredictability and the beauty of a team defying all of the odds and proving everyone wrong all the way into the World Series, if you enjoyed that, you have no business championing Alabama over Florida State because Florida State is what makes sports special. Would it have been, by the way, I, I'm not arguing that it's a, Alabama, Michigan is an objectively better TV matchup. It's just for better sure. TV, it's better for business, but sports are about competition first, everything else later. And and see, that's that's the part that bothers me is that you're taking it off of the field at that point, like you just said. Listen, if you're in a Power 5 conference and you go undefeated, I don't care how it happens. You have to be in there. And let's not make it out either like they don't have any good wins. Again, Louisville was a top 15 team in the country. Can you imagine if Alabama played Louisville without their quarterback and they beat him 16 to 6? All we would hear about is how great is that Alabama defense? That's all we'd hear. They've got Keon Travis, who's a top 15 pick. Jared Verse is a top 15 pick. They've got NFL talent. They've got depth. Their defense is probably deserves to be tested as one of the best in the country right there with Michigan and and others. And so, yeah, I I think it's outrageous. They didn't get a chance to compete for a championship. And college football finally next year gets to actually use competition to determine their champion. It'll be the first time in my life. You know, I'm old enough to remember when they didn't even play head-to-head competition to determine a national champion in college football for crying out loud. Well, remember that split national title with Nebraska and Michigan where they didn't even put it. Neither team played each other. Right. It's crazy. So, yeah, I I hate it. And, you know, the only thing about Florida State that I would say is, you know, I read a story about how the ACC was one of the leaders in not expanding the playoffs earlier. They could have expanded the college football playoffs this season, but the ACC commissioner – was one of the leading critics of that. So college football is always uh, uh, an interesting place. All right, Jody. Well, let's talk about how Arizona might be in the college football playoffs next year. But first, bet MGM. Jody, what would you like? To, would you ever like to make $1,500, Jody Ayler? I like money, yeah. Everybody likes money. Here's the deal. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager through the BetMGM sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. If you lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Check out the show notes for details. And again, place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If it loses now, let's hear Shane with the disclaimer. Problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. 
All right, Jody, here's my BetMGM parlay pick. Now, listen, you might say that Mike Luke's an idiot. Then go against everything I'm telling you right now. I'm going to choose Arizona to beat Oklahoma, and I'm going to pick Washington to upset Texas. What say you, Jody Ayler? Do you disagree with these? You know what? Dylan Gabriel out. Obviously, I'm going to back Arizona, back the A. You're back in the, the A. I'm back in the A. Um, Washington, Texas. You know, Steve Sarkeesian and that team, it's always a bit flaky. Uh, the only problem is I kind of resent Washington because, you know, they're one of the reasons right. the Pac-12 imploded, but hard to argue with Michael Penix Jr. All right. Who would you, who, do you have a Heisman vote? No, I gave it up a few years ago because um, I didn't watch enough college football to make an actual, like right. once I started to have more than one kid, I was just basically reading other people's opinion of the Heisman. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't right. I should not be making the pick for the Heisman. Well, I still think that you probably watch more, though, than a lot of these people. I've talked right. with people that vote that admit that they don't watch. Who would be your Heisman pick, though? Probably Penix Jr. I just don't think you, Jaden Daniels feasting on bad teams and losing to the best right. teams on their schedule is Heismanish. I think this might be the most forgettable Heisman winner of my lifetime, right up Agreed. there with uh, Troy Smith and Rashawn Salam and some of those names. <laughs> right. Um, I'd probably do Penix, but Jaden Daniels' numbers are pretty eye-popping. It is very interesting. Have you looked at all the players that left ASU and how good so many of these dudes have turned out to be? Him, uh, uh, Johnny Wilson at Florida State has become a monster. Uh, Gentry at uh, USC, uh, Norman Lott at Tennessee. Those were a lot of really good players that turned out yeah. to be quite good. Pearsall, the leading wide receiver at Florida, lost a lot of good players that turned out. Yes, it's it's amazing what happens when you uh, bring talented players into a program with a coach that's actually awake half the time and a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. And there is a what if to the Herm Edwards era that if you just had a competent coaching staff, right. that they might have continued to win enough games to keep most of that talent in Tempe. Do you like Dilly? What do you think of Dilly? Yeah, I do like him. I, I think I he's too. on the right path. My biggest art, my biggest knock on Dillingham is that he keeps preaching that the fans have to lead in order for the program to succeed. And I understand what he's trying to say. I, I understand that he's trying to get more buy-in, more involvement, more money for NIL. But listen, he grew up in Phoenix. He knows better than anybody. The success always leads the fans. The fans will not lead the program in any sport other than maybe the Phoenix Suns. And ASU is going to have to win for that money to start really flowing in. And that's, that's on him. That's really on him. All right, talk about uh, – I see a little bit of similarities with him and Jed Fish in just that you can tell that they both wanted these jobs. They both were fully invested. To quote you, they were both going to be awake the entire time, which I think is a big part of it. But, Jody, looking at this Arizona roster – the Rich Rod, listen, Rich Rod, I thought was a great tactician. X's and O's, fantastic. But the Fiesta Bowl team, it felt a little fluky. You won some yes. games on a Hail Mary. It was an undersized defense. You had a lot of guys that looked like me at wide receiver that he was just scheming into position. Nothing with this Arizona football team looks fluky. They look the part, Jody, across the board, which is something we're not used to seeing down in Tucson. Oh, they, they are the part. So here's my hypothetical I wanted to ask you. And you mentioned the Oklahoma game, right? Yeah. You know that Oregon is playing Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl? Yes. Which is just beneath the Fiesta Bowl, which is a great bowl game. And for some reason, Liberty is involved. We didn't get to see Arizona against Oregon. Would you rather see – if, 
if we're just going to go rogue like the college football playoff committee and throw all the rules and all the matchups and all the you know systems in place to make bowl games, would you have rather seen Arizona against Oklahoma now that we know Dylan Gabriel's out, but they haven't played since 1989? Or would you rather see Oregon and Arizona this year actually match up and square off in the Fiesta Bowl? Jody, you know the answer to that question. It's Arizona, Oregon by a bill by a mile, because first of all, Oregon's really good. Second of all, it's in the Fiesta Bowl. And I'm sorry, no, Liberty. It's a great story. I get all that. Pfft, nobody wants to watch them in the Fiesta Bowl. It's just the way it is. No, I, I they're going to probably set a record for the fewest fans there. And I think if you put Arizona and Oregon in there, they probably could have sold out State Farm Stadium. And I, that, that would have just been fun for everybody. So. Yeah, getting back to your point, I think Arizona, I, I got a lot of college football fans up in arms about this. I think they're a top eight to 10 team in the country at the end of the season. And that's largely because they've got NFL talent. They've got a high end quarterback play. They've got a high end skill position play. And they've got a coaching staff that knows what they're doing. There's not a lot of teams in college football that can say that. Jody, I'm, I'm rarely right about things, but one player that I will take a credit for, and his father can vouch for this, is Noah Fafita. Um, when I watched Fafita uh, last year when he was redshirting, I would tell people, I said, listen, maybe I'm an idiot, but I'm the best. He's the best quarterback on this team. Now, it is interesting because he's he's five foot seven. I'm taller than Noah Fafita, so he's not 5'11". He's legitimately 5'7". We've never seen any anybody that short do what he's doing, but... Man, Jody, football just comes easy to this guy. Watch him out there. The way he climbs the pocket, the way he navigates, the way he moves around, it just looks like it comes easy for him. Or JDL could do some good things, but it never looked like football came easy to JDL. He was looking to chuck it all or, you know, do stuff. Noah Fafita, I'll just keep getting your first downs down the field into the end zone. He's also got that innate quality where guys want to follow him, right? Yeah. There's just an intangible to him that, Maybe that's because of his size and how pretty much every game he's overcoming the odds and guys are following that. But yeah, I agree. There was, you know, an erraticness to JDL, the chicken yeah. with his head cut off. And, you know, 60% of the time something positive would happen, but 40% of the time something catastrophically bad would happen. And it's just hard to build momentum and success on someone who you can't really predict their level of decision-making or consistency with the FIDA. As you mentioned, it comes easy. It's not the most physically impressive human being on the planet, but you feel really comfortable he's going to make good decisions, smart decisions, and and positive results. What's wild to me, too, is how Jed Fish was able to put this entire unit around him. Look at the offensive line. You've got a Jordan Morgan, a local player that they developed well. Um, then you've obviously got Jonas Savanea. These are players that are probably going to be first-round picks. Everybody knows about T-Mac on the outside, Jacob Cowing, Jonah Coleman. Again, this offense checks off every single box. It's not like it's just the quarterback that is reliant on his legs and his arm to be able to do everything out there. We'll get to the defense in a second, but you watch them, Jody, and there's just not a real discernible weakness. No, and they're physical and strong. I, mean, yes. I think one of the more eye-opening Arizona football experiences I've had was, I know USC in hindsight was an eight-win team and not nearly the, the, the juggernaut they were expected to be, but they kind of manhandled USC's defensive line. And the Arizona Wildcats offensive line was the most physically impressive group on the field. And I don't care what the results say. USC's got 35 you know, potential right. NFL players on their roster at any given point, it feels like. Right. And I, I was just kind of blown away by how Arizona's size and physicality 
you mentioned this with Rich Rod. I, I feel like we all, we were all in on it. We were all sort of wink, wink, nod, nod. Like, this is fun. We all are enjoying right. this. But we know this is all kind of smoke and mirrors BS. Yes. And I don't feel any of that with this team. In fact, it's such a damn shame that the college football playoff expansion is happening next year and not this year. Now, doesn't mean that Arizona's not potentially set up next year, but uh, it's hard to duplicate the magic of this season for the Arizona Wildcats football team, in my opinion. What's exciting to me, though, is that you return 18 of 22 starters, though, and the players that aren't eligible or all the really good players aren't eligible to leave. Obviously, T-Mac is not eligible to leave. Big Jonas Savanea, not eligible. Jonah Coleman, all those guys. Now, listen, you lose uh, you lose Jordan Morgan. That's a loss. You lose Taylor Upshaw. You lose a couple other dudes, Jacob Cowing. But when you return 18 of 22 starters and when you're looking at the two deep, theoretically returning 37 of 44 uh, that's and again, Arizona fans, as you know better than anybody, have always. Whenever you bank on something good happening, it generally doesn't. But it feels like next year could be special. Totally, they're building something. But you, you know, there's there was a specialness to this season where everybody was rowing in the same direction. Not to go all PJ Fleck on you, but everyone was kind of <laughs> in the same direction. Everyone was motivated by the same team universal goals. Right. Next year, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. I certainly hope it's going to be the case. By the way, I, I, I wanted to ask you this as well, because you know this world so much better than I do. You mentioned T-Mac and Fafita. Why didn't somebody offer them $2 million each to come play in the SEC for a program? That could it, Because perpetual free agency is here in college right. football. You don't have to be in the portal to find out how much your value is. Right. I, I was a little nervous that some deep-pocketed SEC team was going to kind of drop life-changing money, specifically on Fafita, who's not going to be an NFL quarterback, is not going to make NFL money, and would have every reason to seek out the highest dollar in order to cash in on his value. I'm kind of surprised that hasn't happened, or maybe it has and they've rebuffed it. I don't know. You know, and again, I'm just spitballing here, but I think a lot of it, too, is that you can't really, and again, this will sound cliche-ish, but I don't know that you can put really a price on happiness. And what Fafita has done, first of all, he comes from, you know, I mean, you go to private school in Orange County, you're obviously not, you know, picking quarters out of the couch cushion, you know, to get your lunch money. <laughs> but the one thing about him, though, is that he's he's still a 5'7 quarterback where you've got a staff that fully believes in you, that is allowing you to be able to do essentially what you want for the next three or four years. If you're in his spot, at least from an on-the-field perspective, and I totally appreciate what you're saying, but it, it, it's hard sometimes to mess with a really good thing. And then with T-Mac, T-Mac's going to be a first-round pick, so you know that money will be there. It's a good question, and I think we are going to reach a critical mass at some point, though, where schools like Arizona or whoever – a school just says, okay, here's $3 million, bring over. But I think it's a little bit of a unique situation for Arizona because all of these dudes, um, keep in mind, Fafita had one other Power 5 offer. Jacob Manu, who is a stud from the same high school, didn't have any offers. They have obviously feel very comfortable with Jed Fish, and I think there's something to be said for that, just you know, the price of happiness. That's, that's a good point. I just feel like I've probably gotten so cynical with college football yeah. that I didn't believe that that still existed. You know? Right. That it really was just, hey, uh, you know, Clemson's desperate for somebody to come in and save Dab Davo's job. Why not offer 
two million a pop to Fafita and T Mac, and now you're spending four million dollars. And by the way, you'll make that back times ten if the team ends up being a top eight team in college football next year. And so I'm I'm surprised for all the right like good reasons, but I was a little anxious that Arizona was just going to get raided and plundered by some NIL collectives across the country. And so far, so good. One thing Jed Fish, I think, has also shown, too, is that players like being here. I mean, you can tell from the recruiting perspective. You can tell by – and you know what I like about Jed Fish to a certain degree? Um, I don't always agree with it, but I also like coaches that if somebody takes a shot at them, they take a shot right back at it. Um, listen, I mean, without getting into it, uh, Rushing's father took a lot of shots at uh, Jed Fish, couldn't develop talent, all of that. So what does Jed Fish do every single press conference now? He talks about how they take pride in developing talent, and he <laughs> leads with that – all the time honestly jody i think players i think players dig that type of stuff as opposed to the well you know i'm not going to address any unfounded accusations or stuff you know jet fish has fun with the game this is sports and he has fun with it yeah he 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 knows how to make a genuine connection and he knows how to be a real human and not just some you know automated right. coach bot that sits up there and <laughs> spits out cliches also we should add just because we're both you know we're both uh, can speak to this. Arizona's and Tucson is a great place to go to college. It's a great place. If you're 18 to 22, being in Tucson is a great thing. It's great for anyone to live there, but specifically for college students, it's, you can't do much better. You really can't. You know what you can't do much better? Winning the Arizona lottery, Jody Ayler. It, it's so good, we're going to bring it up a second time. Okay, here. Uh, head to Holiday Scratchers for Arizona Lottery. Make your last-minute shopping easy, and they make a perfect gift. Um, scratchers start at just $1. Top prize is 500000 Go out and buy your Holiday Scratchers today. Maybe you can strike it big like Jody Ayler. Get that money, and then get on to the radio here in the Valley. Be like Jody Ayler. Or Gila River Casino. Have you ever been to Gila River uh, Resort and Casino, yeah. Jody? Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Did you like it? Yeah, I've done. I've done a draft show there with Jake Plummer. I've been there a bunch. Yeah. Oh, Jake the Snake, the best player that I've ever seen at ASU. By the way, was Jake Plummer. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I think probably second was Terrell Suggs, but either way, I'm getting off a topic here. Either way, check out the Gila River Casino again. Live like Jody Ayler. It's that simple. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit and play at Gila.com for more details. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, the state-of-the-art gaming floor has over 800 slot machines, 15 blackjack tables, live tables, uh, not to mention Arizona's largest casino sports book. Okay, let's talk about Arizona-Oklahoma here. Um this to me is you have a name brand in Oklahoma. Granted, it's not a vintage top five Oklahoma team, but if Arizona wins this game, you have all kinds of positive vibes going into next season. And if you're 10 and three and you return those type of players, dare I say top 10 preseason hype, Jody Ayler? Yeah. I mean, I would love to see it. I mean, I don't care who's playing for Oklahoma and who's not. Like you mentioned, there's a brand equity in Oklahoma that if you beat them, that matters. And that's to their credit, right? That's a pretty big compliment to a program that hasn't been at its peak for a couple of years. And even, you know, probably hasn't reclaimed the the Bob Stoops magic that was there for a long time, but Lincoln Riley did well. And now Brent Venables as well, but yeah, there's, there's a real benefit to announcing you're you're here and you're not going anywhere by beating Oklahoma. I was just glad. God, I you know, it's been a six year drought. We had a ten year drought. It feels like right. every bowl game I've watched in my life for Arizona is 
BYU, Nebraska, or Oklahoma State. So I'm just thrilled it's something new and different right. and not a team that's on their schedule for the next three years. It feels like Arizona played Oklahoma State like seven times in a three-year period. So I'm glad to play their big brother and the Sooners. So I, I'm with you. Top 10, I'll, I'll defer to you. I don't Say I don't, it, Jody. Say it. What does your gut tell you? Yeah, I mean, they should be. They should right. be. I mean, they absolutely should be. But I don't, you know, God, there's so much player movement going on right, right now. I have no idea what the dust is going to settle. It's going to look like. But um, they certainly have that ability. And, you know, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but the last time Arizona went into a season with huge preseason rankings oh, yeah. and Penn State. And it did not end well. And so I'm okay if they're 18th and we're all complaining about it because – I'd rather finish strong than start strong. People ask me all the time. They say, like, well, you know, with Jed Fish and this coaching carousel, um, are you worried about losing him? You know why? I wasn't really worried about losing him this time. Now, listen, if Florida comes open, schools like that, I get it. But listen, uh, if you're Jed Fish and you have two straight top 10-ish type seasons at the University of Arizona where it doesn't look like a fluke and it becomes 100 where it looks sustainable, all of a sudden then you're in line for better better jobs than UCLA, Michigan State. I know those jobs can pay, but let's be honest here. What are really the apex uh, wins at those type of places? If he does this another year, then he can really start to – Schools start coming to or schools start coming to him as opposed to him start coming to other schools. So to me, it was all it's almost betting on yourself. Now, granted, you don't want to ever lose him, but it makes a lot of sense to me to come back because you're betting on yourself and you got a really good product, by the way, as opposed to going to UCLA and starting over from scratch in a Big Ten West that's probably going to be difficult. Yeah, I would not have taken the UCLA job. Um, I think Michigan State's a real good job. I think right. if he were offered that job, I think Jonathan Smith's a great hire by Michigan yeah, State. I agree. Um, frankly, I'm I'm thrilled nobody did, but it's it's sort of ammunition. I'm sort of insulted that nobody tried to drop right. a bag on Jed Fish because they screwed up. Like the dude, I think Jed Fish's reputation works against him a little bit, Mike. I think right. he's known as a climber. When he took the job in Arizona and you looked at his resume and it's two years here and one year here and one year here, everyone assumed he was just going to be climbing, climbing, climbing. And I think there's something that other schools don't find desirable about Jed yet that I think we all see like this dude's kind of built a special thing in Arizona in a more sustainable way than I mean, I, I would take Jed Fish all day long over Mike Stoops. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that Jed Fish is probably the most successful Arizona football coach ever. Right. Um, we're, we're, we'll probably get into the all-time debate here on the show at some point. But, like, I, I just think what Jed's done is probably the most impressive thing that Arizona football's ever had. You know what it was with Stoops? Stoops always felt to me that he could get you from, I think he was the right man at that time to take over for Makovic, brought some enthusiasm in, but Stoops could only get you from point C to point B. He was never going to be able to get you from point B to point A, where Jed Fish doesn't feel like he has any of those limitations whatsoever because he can bring in the talent, he can obviously coach it, and he understands all the other stuff too. I mean, listen, in Tucson, it can be kind of an apathetic football fan base, as you know. He has done everything possible to try to energize that, and that also shows me uh, some self-awareness that I think a lot of these coaches, uh, you know, from a Rich Rod to certainly a Kevin Sumlin, just never possessed. There isn't anything about Jed Fish where it doesn't feel to me that he doesn't get it. 
So here's how I would describe it. Mike Stoop's success always felt like it happened by accident. You know, it's like Matt Scott and Nick Foles are competing for the job. One of them turns out to be good. It just sort of, they lucked out. Every success Mike Stoops had just felt by accident. It didn't feel like part of some long-term strategic plan. And part of that's just because he was legitimately such a cartoonish figure on the sideline that it was hard to really take him seriously. Jed Fish's success does not feel like it came by accident. Jed Fish's feel like it's the culmination of a really well, well thought out and executed plan, player development, coach retainment, coach recruitment. His success feels like it's a natural byproduct of his talents as a coach, whereas Mike Stoops always felt like in Rich Rod's different just because it was so gimmicky, but Right. They just didn't feel sustainable or particularly well thought out, even when they had success. Jed Fish feels like he's been preparing for this moment his entire life, while Mike Stoops felt like he was living with his brother and he had a big name and he had to go coach football. Right, right. It it never felt like Mike Stoops was, you know, ahead of the curve. It just didn't. <laughs> and it, it, for better or worse, he'll always ride his brother's coattails as a head coach. He'd always be the guy that looked like uh, Barney Rubble throwing a temper tantrum on the sideline. And it was hard for him to overcome his his own shortcomings, and they ultimately did him in. All right. Before we sign off here, one more thing. Oh, geez. All right. Check this out. Uh, it's say you're on the couch and your favorite team is on the screen. A bag of OG gummies and hands. Talk about a winning combination. Check it out. To learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head over to OG's.com. Again, you can get the fruits, the creams, the mouthwatering, pegs, raspberries, you name it. They got it. All right, Jody Ayler, as always, listen. I listen to it. I stream it. Uh, drive 6 to 10, Fox Sports 910. Jody, you're the man. You make Tucson proud every day. And thanks for uh, always coming on the show when I ask you. I appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Just just sometime between now and next year, we need to debate whether this Arizona football team or Desert Storm oh, let's do is it now. the Sorry. team of all time. I, that's, that, that's the fun conversation. Let's do it. Hey, sorry, do you got a few more minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I do apologize because I totally went past that. Yes, you believe this team is better than 98. Make your case. Here's my case. Nothing in sports is better in 1998 than 2023. The athletes, the skill, the talent, the sophistication, the scheme, the level of competition, the depth of competition. But beyond that, I feel like – so the way Arizona football fans feel about the 98 team would be like, how you feel about your high school girlfriend if you never had another girlfriend. Meaning, <laughs> there's never really been something to compare the 98 team to. Right. So you've always romanticized this idea. And granted, I love the 98 team. Here's another fact. Most people, 98% of the people, you and I included, watched like four of those games max. They weren't on TV. Right. If you lived in Tucson, you might have gone to them. You probably didn't. So what you're left to deal with is maybe one or two dominant performances that you watched in a bowl game or in the season, watching this team every week and having all of the information we have and all of the NFL evaluative tools. It, to me, it's undeniable. It's just a significantly more talented team. And beyond that, what they did and how they did it just feels more real and, and appropriate for college football. Whereas, you know, you know, as a Nebraska guy, like you right. could be an incredible college football team in 1995 if your defense was unbelievable and you had 
you know, uh, Tommy Hamburger throwing right. passes. It didn't matter. Right. All right. Here's where I'm going to challenge it a little bit. Um, I'm a big believer in NFL talent for things. I believe that's why Rich Rod never felt sustainable to me. He didn't have any NFL talent. That tw- the that team had 19 future NFL players and 11 guys that have uh, started over 50 games in the NFL. That to me matters a lot. You also had in Chris McAllister a at least in my opinion that I, I didn't really wasn't able to really fully appreciate Brewski and Waldrop and all that. The best player that I've ever seen at Arizona, in my opinion, was Chris McAllister. Um, and then you had obviously trunk candidate, first round pick Dennis Northcutt, top of the, it just, there was just so much raw talent. It wasn't like the desert swarm teams were really good, but that always felt like so much of a scheme, a system, a, uh, you know, uh, the little, little engine that could for lack of a better term, whereas 98 felt like it just checked off all the boxes. Um, and again, they went 12 and one, but I, I always go back to the 19 NFL players, but it's going to be interesting on this Jody, because you're probably going to be right. How many NFL players do you think from this team ends up in the NFL? Like ends up playing in the NFL? Yeah. Oh, man. I think there's probably seven to nine guys minimum that are yeah. going to be like first five rounds of the yeah. NFL draft Great. pick. Right. And then there's probably a handful others that are late round picks or undrafted free agents. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it comes down to like, does Jacob Cowan stick in the NFL, right? Does he, right. Is, it, what's his role? Where does he go? What's the success? Um, there's probably three offensive linemen. Defensively, you could probably count on at least three or four guys that are going to be rotation defenders in the end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think I think you would also look at college football back in '98, where there was just a smaller pool of teams producing NFL talent, True. so it was a little bit more consolidated. And I just think this team is – I've never seen an Arizona team with this O-line and D-line and quarterback play all happen at the same time. I've just never seen it. That just, it, it just kind of, let's be honest here, just kind of beats the snot out of you. You, yes. feel, you yes. feel like after playing Arizona that all these teams are going to be sore. This is, this is a badass football team. It is. Like, they're a badass. And we've had badass defenses. You know, Khalil Tate was kind of a badass, right? There was, right. There was that trip. But – they had a whole team of badasses, and that's what this team feels like. I like. Let's put it this way: if you go back to '98 and you're like, "All right, let's take that '98 team," and they're going to play who is the who, who ended up being the top team in 1998? Whoever the the standard bear like, '98 was. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Tennessee. Okay, if if you've got that matchup, and then I would give you now this Arizona team against Michigan. And you had to bet everything on one of those Arizona teams yeah. beating the standard bear in college football. I'm taking this team all day long because yeah. I know there's not really a weakness to it. Right, dude. I, I, I dude, Jody, you've converted me. I agree with you. <laughs> no, honestly, I do. I would give Arizona a legit. Listen, Michigan would be favored for sure, but I would give Arizona a legitimate chance against Michigan. Jody. There's a, there's a reason you're hosting 910 The Drive. You converted me to the Big 12. I converted you to, to the 2023 team. Now we're now we're even. <laughs> we're even. As always, my man, as, I really appreciate your time, and you have a very Merry Christmas. And to everybody, again, you need to be listening. Fox Sports 910, 6 to 10 a.m., the great Jody Ayler. Jody, the toast of Tucson. We're st- we still claim you, by the way. 
I love it. I love Tucson. I love having uh, you having me on. And Merry Christmas to you and your family, man. I appreciate it. All right. For the great Jody Ayler, I am merely Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.